You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. There are so many mysteries about the magnificent Migato, but one thing we know for sure, they invented the piano key necktie. They invented it! It's Monday night. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and that can only mean it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson from a mysterious echoey location. Tonight, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, bugatu, gumatu, migiti, who knows? Let's call the whole thing off. But not before you call us with your thoughts on this week's Star Trek Lower Decks. Clock the Zoom meeting link or click it, whichever you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> or use the one tap from your smartphone. It's smart like my brain. You can call us at 669-900-6833. Then enter the meeting code of the password. Earl will hook you up faster than a Ferengi in a flea market. <laughs> you know, Ashley, the one thing that I hope is corrected in the future is autocorrect. You'd think that by the 24th century, autocorrect will just, it will be seamless. It will be perfect. That's what I hope for. It will be a diversity of languages that we can only fathom. So I agree with you. I hope it is up to snuff in the near future. <laughs> and, and things that, that can be pronounced in multiple ways. And we will get into that on tonight's show. Yes, there is so much to cover tonight from Boimler's return to espionage rumors to endangered species. Give us a call and let's have a talk. Uh, how was your holiday weekend? It was so lovely. I always get American bank holidays confused, but... <laughs> I got to see family and I got to go kayaking. So whichever one this was, I had a great time. How about you, John? Uh, it was not bad at all. Actually, I was able to take a little bit of time off and have dinner with friends. And um, I just wonder, like, a as a Canadian American, can, mm -hmm. can you claim exemption so you take all the bank holidays? Um, I can claim exemption only in terms of social circumstances. No one's giving me Canadian Thanksgiving off, which is a real rip, mm, if you ask me. <laughs> that's too bad. That, I, I would lobby hard for that one because yes. any excuse to eat twice like that, I am down. Um, hey, I do want to welcome everybody else who is joining us here in the chat tonight, joining us on Facebook. And, and just right, right away with, with exclamation points and everything, there's Chris Riker, John, Ashley, Earl, Mugatu, or Gamato. Uh, we'll have to see what the preferred uh, spelling is there. Ooh, and I believe we actually have a Paul Fecta because I saw Paul from Half Measures podcast. I saw Paul Wright and I saw Paul Harveth. We have a Paul Fecta in the house. All over so, it. Yes. Uh, there is Tate. There is Dominic. Ooh, there's Paul Troutwine. We have a quadrangle of Pauls. Wow. I don't wow. even know how to feel about this, how to react. I'm so, I'm so overtaken. I have the vapors. Look, you want to, if you want to take some time off and write down your feelings and get back to us, that's okay. <laughs> uh, we have Scott Palm. Very pleased to see you there. Ooh, a stranger to the show here, Norman C. Lau joining oh. us in the chat tonight. Good to see you. He says, pick me, pick me, John. I just did, pal. That was for you. Welcome so, first uh, time. yeah. <laughs> and Norman, Norman is already trademarking Paul Nicopia. So, uh, we have one of those going on. Uh, we have Rhea, we have David, I'm sure other David will show up at some point. So what a pleasure to see everybody. That is uh, super cool. Thank you for joining us, uh, on your holiday and ours where we get to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. Hey, uh, let us talk a little bit about what's coming up, and then we'll get to our discussion and to your calls and the recap. Uh, coming up this week, well, yes, uh, on next week's Mission Log Live, where Norman and Ashley will be back in the host seats, Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 5, An Embarrassment of Duplers. I, I hate it when I'm embarrassed by my duplers. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't wait to hear that discussion. Just sit with that one out and hear your discussion on Duplers. Uh, this week on regular Mission Log on Thursday, we'll be dropping the episode of Deep Space Nine, Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. Uh, that was a good discussion on the show. Look, I think all the discussions are good, but that one was uh, a good and heavy one. So join us for that. And this week we will be recording Mission Log Deep Space Nine once more onto the breach. So that will be out early in an unedited video and audio for our Patreon subscribers. You know what to do. Patreon.com slash Mission Log. And uh, tonight's episode, tonight's topic 
on Mission Log Live, Lower Deck, Season 2, Episode 4, You Got a Gamato. It's just fun to say. And, and I like it how everybody had different, uh, different ways of pronouncing it. Sticking true to Star Trek lore. I wonder if that was dealer's choice or if certain characters were assigned certain pronunciations. Like, did Fred have his choice or was it whatever came out when Shax came up? I right. have questions. Because Shax had his own specific and, and that, that was pretty great. And, and, but they're all very committed to it, which was a lot of fun. So this is the most a- important thing about a TOS era callback is you commit. <laughs> it really is. So I can't wait to, uh, to hear what all of you thought. And then maybe one day we'll get the inside skinny from the writers and actors on this and, uh, and their pronunciations. So if you'll indulge me here, I will quickly recap this week's episode. Then we'll get on to your comments. So now is the time to call in, to zoom in, use the one tab, do whatever you do, click the thing, talk to Earl, and then you'll be talking to us. Things are getting back to normal on the Cerritos, where Mariner is kicking Boimler and Rutherford's hides in a friendly round of Anbojitsu. They're all on the way to Frylon 4 to investigate a Magato spotting. Now, you remember Magato, big ape-like creatures with white fur and a horn on their heads. No idea what they're doing on Frylon 4, but they'll investigate. Before arriving, Boimler and Rutherford nurse their wounds in the lounge over a game of Diplomath, where compromise makes everyone a winner. And they get an earful from the bartender, Honus, about Mariner being some sort of black ops agent. That makes Rutherford super anxious about the away mission, but Boimler just thinks he's being paranoid, even though Mariner keeps getting demoted and moved around from ship to ship like the Atlantis where a hundred crewmen went missing. Probably nothing. Beaming down to Frylon 4, the away team finds something nefarious. A group of Ferengi led by one kink selling Mugato horns and the animals themselves to a buyer named Hyde. When Lieutenant Shax rushes in to stop them, a melee breaks out and Hyde escapes in his shuttle while numerous Mugato escape their cages. In the confusion, Boimler and Rutherford spot Mariner stabbing Shax in the shoulder and turning her bloody face toward them. Suitably freaked out that their friend is a black ops agent, the two rush off into the open woods with the escaped Mugato rather than face Mariner. As these two hide in the woods, threatened by Mugato, they are spotted by Patingi, the biologist who knows a thing or two about Mugato and promises to lead them to safety until he gets eaten and will become tomorrow's Mugato dung. Running for their lives, Boimler and Rutherford first hide from mating Magato and their kinky neighbor, and then happen upon Mariner when she gets caught in a Magato trap. They confront her about the whole black ops thing, but she confesses she made it all up just to have a mystique. The crew of the Atlantis? Lice. Martial arts? Something she can do alone. Stabbing shacks? To suck the venom out. But they no longer, oh, but the longer they talk, the closer the Ferengi get. Mariner is captured, but tells the others to get away. They'll have to be the badasses now. Meanwhile, back on the Cerritos, Incentendi has the unfortunate job of collecting medical data from all the crew members who skipped their physical exam. There's just one holdout who happens to be Dr. Tana, who goes straight up feral to avoid a medical tricorder. Then there's the matter of Hyde. When he escaped Frylon 4 in his shuttle, the Cerritos tried to pick him up in a tractor beam, but that destroyed his ship. Now he's cornering Captain Freeman into a new ship and a bunch of her cool stuff to add to his missing collection. Down below, Boimler and Rutherford muster the courage to break into the Ferengi encampment to set Mariner free with diplomacy. They hit the Ferengi right where it counts, in the profit margin. They'll make more latinum if they turn this place into a preserve rather than killing the Begato. It takes some convincing, but they're on board. And now they can let Mariner and the Cerritos crew go. So, back to the Cerritos. Captain Freeman gets a hot tip from Admiral Freeman that there's a guy going around faking a shuttle accident in order to bilk people out of their belongings, which leads to Hyde's recapture. They can forget this whole thing if he helps out shoveling Magato dung to make way for the new preserve. And in the lounge, Rutherford, Boimler, and Mariner learn more about compromise in the exciting game of Diplomath, Then, when it's Mariner's turn to get a round of drinks, she lets the bartender in on a little secret. Those other two fought off a dozen Magato and now have secret powers. But that's just between the two of them. The end. 
Dun, dun, dun. Ashley, super important question for you. Mm -hmm. What is the plural of Mugato? Is it Mugato or Mugatos? Why not Mugotees? Mugotees. Like like geese? I like that. I like it. Because, see, I got called out in Vegas because uh, Jessica asked me, what's the plural of Lego? Is it Lego or Legos? And I just, and I thought, you know, it sounds right that it's Lego. And then immediately without thinking, I referred to them as Legos. <laughs> so clearly there was something stuck in my head that, yeah, so I don't want to get it wrong with Megato because clearly it's important to get it right when it comes to Megato. Is Megato your preferred pronunciation? Um, I, I think only because... Uh, I feel like Ben Stiller canonized it by yes. having Mugatu, <laughs> you know, so and, and he was specifically doing a riff off of Mugato. But the more I have Gumato in my head, mm -hmm. like that's fun, too. I think it was D. Kelly who got that one wrong. So I'd have to <laughs> I haven't rewatched the episode, but yeah. But I, I think that's where that originally got screwed up. Gumato sounds like a creature who would fight Godzilla in the 28th <laughs> installment of the major franchise. So I, it's acceptable to me. And look, and Mugato already looks like a creature that would fight Godzilla anyway. Exactly. So The little baby ones, though, they're so old. Oh, they were adorable. They were adorable. And I guess it's only in a show like Lower Decks that you can go there with uh, Mugato Intimacy. So yeah, it, 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 there were lines crossed that I was not emotionally prepared for. I definitely clutched my white lady pearls. <laughs> I'm so interested to hear that you have white lady pearls. That's so I cute. Do, I do. Yeah. Delicate. Okay. Well, let's talk to somebody who may or may not have white lady pearls. And that would be our first caller, Chris. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, man. How are you well, doing tonight? I cannot claim to have any pearls. Well, my mother might have some. I'd have, okay. the, I'd have to go check the jewelry box after the show. Okay. Well, uh, uh, how, did, how did she feel about watching the Megato? Ooh, wait. And you have to tell us what you're having tonight. Uh, this is a 50-50 mix of tequila and mezcal. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Oh, wow. Just just getting warmed up for a little Mission Log Live, aren't we? <laughs> exactly. You're trying to go blind by the exactly. end. <laughs> No, I will admit that, yeah, the whole Mugato thing, it, it caught me by surprise. I mean, it was funny. It was damn funny with He Likes to Watch. I just wasn't expecting it. I was like, no. oh, this is, this is the kind of game we're playing. Okay, all right, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, a little, a little surprise, but still, I think, a, a very good joke. No, this was, this was a good episode. I think we were really, I like the episodes, I've talked about this a lot, where, like, they do the deep sort of, like, character stuff and, like, watching sort of Mariner reckon that she has, like, made her own life terrible, that, like, the isolation is self-imposed. Mm. Like, she has to, like, if she wants to get out of that, she has to make the effort, I think has been a really interesting to watch that sort of happen in real time. As she's like, wait, maybe I do like these people. Maybe I do want friends. And, like, trying to balance that with, you know, her, pri her prior life. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was really good stuff about Mariner and and totally believable and understandable that someone would do that. Just like, I, I don't want the harassment. I don't want the bother. I don't want, mm -hmm. I will just go work on something that I can do in isolation like martial arts. I, I That absolutely makes sense. And I, I thought that was, uh, it, it was something that obviously fed the story, but it also completely worked with the character. And, and that's where Lower Decks for me is just constantly hitting its stride by having a line or two of dialogue that say so much because they're using the efficiency of the show to their advantage um, and making everything count. Um, I, I do want to ask the, the both of you something about the Megato because one of the notes that I made to myself, we can talk about bigger themes and morals mm -hmm. and, and message and all that stuff, but it, it just, it struck me how, ironic and how perfect that here you have an animated comedy show that is like you know full of uh you know hairy ape sex jokes <laughs> right uh, okay and yet and yet somehow it re-justified the megato which is just kind of like a joke of a monster of the week from tos you know, it, it, he shows up in Private Little War and then that's it and we're done and never to be seen again because, let's face it, it's ridiculous looking costume. 
But bringing him back and or them back in this way, it just seemed to make it like that much more real. And yet it's a silly, stupid cartoon. What, what did you guys think about that? I think reframing them from the point of view of being an endangered species was incredibly intelligent. And I think Lower Decks is when it really is firing on all cylinders, it gets to the heart of what is special about these characters. And if you think about animals that are endangered on our planet, they are like a rhino, for example, that's a really easy comparison, right? With the horn, they are kind of weird and they are kind of solitary. And you've maybe seen them at the zoo once or referenced once. And then when you watch the Lion King and by, dare I say, humanizing them in this way, I think uh-huh. reintroducing it to the canon is this is this is where Lower Decks is doing the Lord's work. And blessing us by reminding us, one, that they put a human person in those costumes once upon a time, and two, it is absolutely valid. Yeah. Well, I think from, like, a production production point of view, like, you watch TOS and, like, yeah, that's a dude in a latex suit. And we all know it's a dude in a latex suit. And that's part of why it's (laughs) funny, is that there's some poor guy sweltering in there. And to see it, when you get the ability to actually present them as, like, an actual animal that, like... Yeah, I was always I got more gorilla vibes, but Rhino's also good. Um, yeah. But like mm-hmm. to see them act in a sort of more wild, natural way, I'm like, oh, these these are kind of cool. I kind of dig these. These are interesting. So yeah, it was I thought it was very clever of them that they had the ability to present them as not a guy in a suit, but an actual like living, breathing thing. Well, yeah, and. I, I don't want to really jump to the end here, but hey, it's the live show. We can do whatever we want. Uh, I know, right? Uh, but, it, you know, I felt like as far as morals, meanings, messages, looking at this in the greater context of Star Trek, I felt like it was so Star Trek, uh, a very bonk bonk on the head with, you know, the enemy not being an enemy, but again, something to be understood. We had that conservationist streak here, a very Star Trek four thing. Oh, no, no, we need to protect these. There is value here even if the value is capitalist for the Ferengi you know um, <laughs> but it, it it took something that is so easily made parody and even though Lower Decks is parody they flipped it on its head and made it something that actually had some depth uh, so I'm I'm impressed to be able to get through all of that in 22 minutes of content uh, in this you know ostensibly a, a show that's just full of jokes about inside references and, uh, you know, uh, uh, collectibles and and Star Trek fans. But they they somehow pulled that part off and actually gave us a story that had a a bit of a worthwhile Star Trek message in it. Lots of cocktail references, though, for you specifically in this episode and Billups being (laughs) the main vehicle for that. I I love that he wanted his peach daiquiri. (laughs) Yeah, I, thought, I thought that was very on brand for what we know about Billups. I'm like, oh yeah, he's a yeah. daiquiri guy. I, yeah. I buy that. Yeah, just just sitting there at the end of the bar. Oh my god! And the final line of the show, like, if you don't want to be a bartender, don't be a bartender. It's just so <laughs> as they fade to black and sail off in the in the sunset. Beautiful, uh, Chris. Any other uh, thoughts tonight? You got a, a couple of callers standing by. Just curious, what else is on your mind this evening? Uh, I will say that Tendi in the like lab coat is an absolute fit, and I want to see cosplay of that next year in Vegas. Yes. Like she rocks that lab coat so good. You in cosplay as that next year. <laughs> <laughs> now that I know that you're the cosplay king, <laughs> he is. Did Did you see that uh, Miglimo was on the uh, the list of? Because uh, I, I, I went back that. and I yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, I did a little freeze frame to see who was on the list. Uh, the question is, will anybody do cosplay of Tendi with the broken arm? Because, I mean, they went there and really yeah. showed a disgustingly broken arm. That was kind of awesome. And, and, and I love how just straight up cat Dr. Tana became. Like it wasn't this season, uh, like yeah. the, the, the gag with the box in the last episode, the, the, well. the scratch post in the mm-hmm. box, you know? Yeah. And, and it, it isn't so much like the Cation, like, oh, kind of look cat ish and purr a bit. No, she just went straight up crawling around, hissing, uh, hiding under a shuttle, swiping with the paw. I thought that was, uh, you know, it, like it's a show that is not afraid to go there. So they went there for sure. No, yeah. As, as someone who has owned many cats in his life, I am particularly fond of whenever they do stuff like that. When she like yowls and like gets on all fours. I'm like, yeah, I feel that. I've been there. 
Haven't we all, though? Haven't we all? Yes. Well, Chris, thank you so much for calling in this evening. And uh, enjoy the rest of your cocktail. And we will see you next week. All right. See you, man. All right. Take care. (laughs) Take care. You know, it's funny. I'm reading some of the comments here. And I feel like this is an episode that's a little bit uh, uh, receiving some mixed feedback. Uh, Chris Riker says, it misfires on every element, humor, resolution, even the voice work. I will have her bite my tongue going forward. No, no need to do that. We definitely want to hear all the opinions, all the thoughts on the show. Uh, in, in, In the theme of Trek, we are open to all schools of thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, I, I hope that on this, I, I've had a very good time so far with Laura Dax. However, I definitely will call them out when I feel like for me, either the humor doesn't land or the pacing is annoying to me. So there are definitely things to criticize here as well. Uh, Paul Wright says, it's okay. Every series has a worst episode. Might as well get this one out of the way. So Paul also not feeling it. Uh, but then I think in response to me saying that Megato were a bit of a joke, um, uh, so you know, joke, how dare you? <laughs> Something that uh, the dominant for their honor. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But I, I think the thing is, it's one of those that it's one of those monsters that has become so iconic mm-hmm. when it comes to like images of TOS because it looks like 1960s TV. It looks like somebody going into the warehouse at Western costume or at Paramount and just going like, oh, there's some white fur, there's a horn, uh, just throw it together, get it on TV. It's them and the little dog in the, also the horned. <laughs> Unicorn dog. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. In the enemy within. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Things like that. Like as a Star Trek fan who's into the, the story and into what the story is saying, we give that a little bit of a pass. But to an outsider seeing that and going, like, oh, that just looks like a really dumb rubber suit with a bunch of fur well, glued you, on you it. You watch some Doctor Who and then you'll really appreciate the production value on TOS. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So it, interesting to get this feedback and please absolutely chime in and uh, and say, Chris says, don't want to be a hater. Just felt this one missed. I, that's absolutely fair. So, yeah, let, let us absolutely. know what, what uh, landed for you and what did not. And uh, speaking of landing, let us land over here on our next caller, who is Rhea, who has been standing by patiently. And here she is with comments on tonight's show. Welcome to Mission Log Live, Rhea. How are you doing tonight? There you are. <laughs> I'm not a pack lid, really, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make it go. <laughs> you have to make it go, Rhea. <laughs> Earl, make it go for me, please. <laughs> <laughs> What's yeah, on your mind to tonight? See you guys, it's been forever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, first, I just wanted to call in because it's been so long. But, okay, I've loved Laura Dex from the beginning. And, and I've loved every episode so far. This one had a lot of kind of cringy stuff, cringy moments, I guess. Um, but I can look past that. Uh-huh. Um, talk to I us love, about it. Love the, well, I don't want to talk about the cringy stuff. It's gross. What's with <laughs> Shaq? Okay, in the last episode, they mentioned something about Shaq's eating Magado dung. What was that all about? Well, wait, did, did, did they did they tease that in the previous episode? Did they, I miss that somehow? I'm pretty sure oh. they did. Unless I'm going crazy, I'm pretty sure they did. Wow. Yeah, I, Be quiet, I, Paul Wright. Don't say I'm going crazy. <laughs> I, I, must have, uh, I, I must have forgotten <laughs> that part. But, you know, look, he's uh, he is a tough survivalist, does what it takes. And I, mm-hmm. not, only, not only did I love that they went there twice, I love the reactions of everybody around him, <laughs> which was pretty great. Yeah, yeah pretty great. Thank you. Well, you know, people, people eat, um, I can't think, but there's a type of coffee that is passed through an yes. animal. Yes. Yes. So I've had it. It's delicious. Oh, wow. Okay. Very earthy. So you, you are a braver soul than I. <laughs> yeah. So there is hope for me and Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, it's, it sure is. And I'm super thrilled for the whole Shaq-Tana relationship that'll be coming because I love both. Shaq. <laughs> oh, my. And I'm not a shipper, typically, you know, but I, oh, I love Shaq so much. So... Super glad he was resurrected from the dead somehow. But um, <laughs> another thing I wanted to, you, know, you guys were talking about like the, this, the whole Star Trek message of mm-hmm. conservation and all that and, and bringing the Magato back and making him legit. Um, 
well, the last outpost, you know, the, the Ferengi whips were bringing, were like, you know, yes. that was the last outpost was a really rough way to introduce the Ferengi to the Star Trek world. And so I'm kind of hoping that, uh, Lower Decks will, I don't know, retcon it a little bit. <laughs> well, and see, that that's the sort of thing that is in my love-slash-hate reactions to things that happen on Lower Decks. So I love that you have Ferengi with laser whips just because it mm-hmm. does create this distinction. It it reminds us that that happened. It creates a distinction mm-hmm. between Ferengi then and Ferengi now, or Ferengi later, and a guy like Quark who gets name checked to say like, no, 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 yes, they're I not know all... who Quark is. Yeah, yeah, right. They, they're all like yeah. that, you know. But then in the script, mm-hmm. when they actually call out when Mariner says, "What is this like? Some last outpost Ferengi?" Mm-hmm. That okay. <laughs> I I don't need you to yeah. actually name check the episode. That takes me out right. of it, honestly. You know, that's one of those mm-hmm. little details that as a writer, I would just go in and say, no, no, you, you don't need to put a hat on a hat here for the joke. The joke's done. The jo- you already did the joke, right. you know, but that's just me. And I wonder how many hats on the hats are for the benefit of, you know, people who don't call into Star Trek live Facebook shows and, you know, maybe the more casual fan. <laughs> right. 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 Like some of those also might be for people who are coming right from disco or the 09 movies and, and are mm-hmm. slowly but surely going on the journey that the rest of us have been on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can appreciate that, I guess. Well, see, and I, I do feel like that's the kind of thing where, if you are a Star Trek fan who has watched every episode and remembered episode titles and done something crazy mm-hmm. like appear on a podcast for 10 years talking about Star Trek, <laughs> then you, you don't need somebody to tell you that that is from The Last Outpost. If you're not a mm-hmm. fan who is steeped in all of that uh, Trek trivia, that glides by you anyway. And you, you just may or may not have a vision of your head like, oh, yeah, one time the Ferengi had these weird laser whips. And the episode title is irrelevant at that point. So I apologize. Mm-hmm. I'm being very nitpicky. And uh, by the way, thank you, Paul, Half Measures Podcast. Anyone else miss John's husky post-Vegas voice? Yes, I do too, actually, <laughs> Paul. Um, although it was not fun getting that and it was not fun coming out of that. So um you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll see a specialist about it. We'll get back to it. <laughs> we got to give you a really spicy drink. Yes, yeah. Well, apparently Chris can mix one up for me. So we'll, yeah, really? uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see what he can do. Uh, and uh, Chris Riker says they should have kept the laser whips, but it's good they ditched the Sunny Bono fur coats. And yes, you're, you're right. They did get rid of those. Now, yeah. because you've said that we're getting the fur coats back in season three. I'm just, I'm calling it right <laughs> now. It'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, what what right. else, Rhea, any other thoughts in your mind about tonight's show or this week's show, rather? There was a disco reference in there. The power of math. Yeah. Yes. So that was kind of cool. Yes. I love that. And I love the invention of yet another impossible Star Trek in-universe game, whether it's mm-hmm. Tongo or Dabo or Fizbin or whatever, yeah. uh, Damjad. <laughs> they're all impossible. They make no sense whatsoever. And I love... How dare you avoid <laughs> Damjad? Are we, we going to get together and play Damjad? Is that going to be our thing? Because... Oh. <laughs> If that's if that's the next I see you in real life, that will be a tragedy indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love that, and I love their excitement over it's a compromise. Mm-hmm. It's just yes, yes, yes. It's so perfect, but and it is. If you're familiar with the story circle, which um, Mike McMahon runs his show based around, like it was one of the most. Um, obvious examples I think of the story circle in a lower decks episode was having the scene at the beginning and then at that being the solution. And then they all play it together at the end. And I was particularly fond of the moment where they were like, we can't let her know she's beating us so bad. What are we going to do? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I love sort of uh, immediately taking away the integrity of the game. So (laughs) it was pretty great. (laughs) Hey, um, we do have a lot of call. I'm so excited. We have so many callers lined up. Uh, Let's see. We're going to get to Mike. We're going to get to Dave. We're going to get to Cherie and then John. So, so many people who are standing by for the second half of the show. Rhea, thank you so much for calling in. And I hope that you do again soon. All right. I will. Great to see you guys. Have a great night. 
Bye. Hey, uh, before we... Before we get to that stellar lineup of callers, I will just take a few seconds here to remind everybody about the fun that we get to have over at Mission Log on Patreon, patreon.com slash Mission Log. Not only do you get swag, do you get episodes early, do you get video behind the scenes, but you get exclusive access to the Mission Log Discord, which has become this, this social media community of its own, and it is a blast. I prefer to spend time there more than just about any other online community because the people are awesome. We have these great conversations, not just about Trek, about all kinds of other science fiction franchises, what we're doing in real life, maybe a food and drink channel in there for me. Thank you very much. And uh, I would love it if you would join us there for as little as a dollar a month and you get a discount if you sign up for a year, you can join us there and get all the benefits of membership at patreon.com slash mission log. And uh, I, I see it's funny, the note from last week, Norman was not kidding around. After dark, where we do live discussion of that week's mission log, a life of its own. And it is a blast. I think we're all just like a little punch drunk by the time that rolls around. So it is so much fun. And I hope that we see you there. Now, somebody who we did see there and see there often, and I was just talking to today is our next caller. And that is Captain Mike. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight, sir? I am doing great, John. I just got my uh, table rejotted, so I'm getting ready to play some dumb jot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys. Yeah. Ashley's going to be right over. Yeah, I love it. But but a couple a couple of comments that just sort of sort of percolated up to the top. One was the uh, the cat coffee, and from what I understand, coffee is much like a uh, a kernel of corn, if you will. It doesn't get digested; it just passes through. Wow. So the cat doesn't have any effect on the coffee bean per se. They're just supposed to be very good at selecting the best beans. Oh, so okay. That. So, that's so you're basically trusting okay. the cat to to pick your coffee. Still gross. Still so, gross. Yeah. Still so, gross. So <laughs> if, if the coffee roast is going to be good enough to follow that cat around, and when it's ready, you just slap that bean out of its paws before they can eat it. And then... That is much more. Now you acceptable. got yourself something. Yeah. Now you got some coffee. <laughs> I would want to drink. That yeah. might be animal. Cut out the middleman, but I'd hate to see Merez out of work again. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. That is the line of the oh, night. John, yes. I got to tell you, man, if you think the Magato is a joke of a monster of the week and it's a venomous <laughs> horned albino gorilla, what keeps you awake at night? Okay. Okay. So here's, here it is in my head. Somebody, poor Bill Tice and his assistants, they, they're going down to the, the shop uh, and they're just trying to pull whatever. They're like, oh my God, we have to shoot this episode in two days. They want a fearsome monster. We blew the budget on the Horda and we saw that how that looked. What are we going to do? They're like, get some fur, find a horn. We got teeth. We got, and then the, the producers looked at it and they're like, okay, this is ridiculous. We have to talk it up. We just have to say that it's poisonous and it's vicious and it does it. Add some more spikes on its back. Like do whatever you can to possibly make this thing look scarier. And I do love that it exists as a Don Post mask from the seventies that uh, uh, Bob Short, Robert Short uh, created that mold for them so it it has this like weird pop culture life of its own but it's so i mean to me it's just such a like throwaway from star trek lore in your head canon it's the arthur conan doyle creating professor moriarty halfway through the sherlock Holmes canon <laughs> and then sherlock spends the whole first 12 pages being like he's the most fearsome he's a yes. lord of crime and you've never heard of him before this moment <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. It's so, oh man, that thing is so weird to me. But this episode did what I feel like only Lower Decks can do, which is it, it takes this one tiny little like footnote of Star Trek history and goes, no, 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 wait. We're going to figure this out. We're, we're actually going to spend the time to give this thing a life. Does a masterful job of that. And what I love about yeah. it is that it comes up with a win-win-win scenario at the end. Like even going all the way back to the cage where at the end, Jeffrey Hunter's Captain Pike was like, can't we work something out? Can't we, can't we do some trade or, or anything like he still right. after that ordeal wanted to build a bridge and they, and you know, the, the Telosians did not for good reason, but, but even then yeah. they were trying to find that win-win scenario. And that's a very, a very Star Trek thing. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, I, it, it worked that way very well. Go ahead. I really Sorry. do love to see it. I know you got a lot of callers. I just want to say this. I think they went down, like you said, to get uh, to make the scariest monster they could on the budget they had available. <laughs> yes. And I think they tried and I give them props and it's here 55, later, 55 years later. But I will say this, yeah. still not as scary as Kai Wynn. Boom! (laughs) Nobody is. Mic drop. Perfect, 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 perfect. Yes. Now, if we can come back in 50 years and make Kai win, Cuddly, uh, my hat is off to them. Lower Decks season 85, it's on a a space station, so it's Deep Space 35, maybe. Yes, yes. Mike, pleasure to see you, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thanks again, sir. Have fun. Take care. Bye now. Good night, Ashley. All right, we're going to jump right over to, it looks like, uh, Dave. Dave joining us uh, on, uh, he's calling all the way from Starfleet headquarters, which is very cool. Welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm good. Good, good. What is on your mind today? Oh, I just wanted to pop in. I'm usually at work this time, but I happen to have the day off, so I'm here. Oh, how nice. Welcome. What what did you you think of the episode this week? Uh, I'm kind of a 50-50 on these. I, some of yeah. them are hilarious and funny. Some of them I'm just like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this was a really for you. What, yeah. uh, what was anything in particular that didn't quite uh, didn't quite land for you? Just uh, I, I don't I don't know. It just uh, they're not catching me all the, all the time. Nothing yeah. in particular. Yeah. Um, I happened to mention before I got into the Zoom that my eight year old happened to walk in when they were having the log scene and so that was a bit, um, <laughs> embarrassing but i don't think she had a clue what was going on so oh no okay now now dave i, I don't want it to be too sensitive a topic here but did you have to have a talk with your eight-year-old about when mugados love each other let's see <laughs> oh no oh, i just brought it up again <laughs> oh, no. well, john now the talk is your job <laughs> <laughs> That is not a service admission log offers. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we'll discuss the we'll discuss the fee and we'll get back. To this. Yes, yes, yes. If I if I can offload that one, that would be great. <laughs> Fair you know, enough. I think you can probably manage because you might be magic because you're in a part of California where the sun is up, and where John and mm, I are, it's dark. So definitely, I'm yeah. yeah, very but cool. I, I, I mean, there were things I really liked. I loved the whole cat thing. I mean, just seeing her as an actual cat was hilarious. Um, I loved the little projector thing they brought in that so looked like his little um, cannon thing. I was like, what are they doing? From and Arena. From Arena. That was so yes. perfect. Because like we, we thought we knew where it was leading, but yes. no. That structure yeah. has to be like the wooden bazooka has to be something that you learn how to make in like like i don't know um uh, starfleet 101 well well starfleet 101 like yeah Star- sure. starfleet 101 is smell and taste everything starfleet 102 how to build a bamboo cannon yeah so shacks only passed 101 <laughs> yeah he did, he did. <laughs> but i had some uh i had a little bit of some jurassic park feel when he first walked up to that I was like, yes, I remember that. And then I went, oh, my gosh, no. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I had strong uh, Jurassic Park vibes for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, Dave, thank you so much for calling in. I'm glad that you had the day off. And I I, I hope that uh, we don't have to wait for another holiday for you to join us again. Oh, probably. I'll be on the chat usually. Okay. We'll see you there. All right. Cheers. Take care, Dave. Be good. All right, we're going to, <laughs> funny, Carrie says, well played, Dave, delegating that job to Mission Log Live. <laughs> and then, but Julie, Julie chimes in. Yes, yes, exactly. Julie chimes in. You see, when a mommy Mugato loves a daddy Mugato very much, and sometimes their friend watches. <laughs> what app That's... do you think they all use? <laughs> <laughs> porn, yes. Pornster? Oh, oh, that's so good. That's so good. (laughs) I like it. Well, maybe able to shed a little light on this, calling back into the show. It's Cherie, who is calling from the bridge of the Cerritos and can let us know. Cherie, welcome back to the show. There There you are. Okay. All right. Hey, welcome. (laughs) Yay. Um, Yep. I'm back on the bridge. Uh, I don't have have any advice for the... um, (laughs) Mugatu, <laughs> or, or the Mugatu. 
I mean, my mom, my mom was very open and I, I knew some things I shouldn't know when I was, young. so, uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't have any advice. I'm sorry. Very good. Very good. By, by the way, we are getting some, some more, uh, uh, helpful comments here. Like Chris Riker says, Starfleet cadet requirements, read Shakespeare, pilot any starship or shuttle, make crap out of bamboo and learn not to wear red. So those are really all first-year topics that you would absolutely have to get through. Uh, Dominic says sex ed is not on the mission log service menu. Hey, that might have changed tonight. So uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so Cherie, what did you think of the episode this week? What is on so your mind really, about what happened? I really liked it. Um, I, I thought Boimler and Rutherford made a really good team, um, and I'm – I'm really looking, I'm really hoping that they do like a Mariner and Rutherford team up. Um, And like, you know, I am hoping for them to team up um, all the other characters just kind of mix and match, but I'm actually having a hard time thinking of how well Boimler and Tendi would work together. And I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about that, because for me, like, I feel like they're kind of similar in a way that might make it harder to write a story for them. Um, like it, for Boimler and Rutherford, it makes sense that they're kind of like friends and they, they, they do the same types of things. I think, um, Tendi and Boimler both are very like kind of rule abiding. And I think that might make a story with them kind of difficult, but it also might make it kind of interesting. (laughs) Maybe they'd have to learn to. You have such a perfect jumping off point because you have (laughs) them be polite and rule abiding at each other, but then come up against the scenario, you know, in the grand Star Trek tradition, probably down on the planet with some scary alien where they have to channel their inner mariner, right. And break the rules. Because Tendi's kind of been on that journey this season Mm -hmm. a little bit and, and Boimler and Rutherford teaming up, right. Is an obvious counterpoint to Tendi and Mariner. Like we got last episode, but Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about teaming up the other guys and gals. And so I think you have probably predicted some subplots in the next two episodes. <laughs> I hope so. I'd yeah, love to I, see it. I, I feel like they're being pretty thoughtful about that, making sure that we get all these different teams. I think they even called it out uh, with uh, Tendi and Mariner. You know, they mm-hmm. said something about that in the episode, uh, just let the characters come right out and say it. So I feel like we'll probably get that. Um, I, I pretty much like pairing up Rutherford with anybody because it's just always comedy gold to see him sort of struggle with his skin. Oh no, brain <laughs> under the skin. Like that actually reminded me uh, more of his good place character, actually, because I feel like I can kind of see Rutherford saying that, but I can totally see Pillboy saying that. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So I, I feel like he's pretty great. And and that's what makes him and Tendi fun as well, because it, they're both so just enthusiastic about everything, but usually misguided in their enthusiasm. So that's uh, that that's great to watch them. But yeah, Mariner, you, you have to sort of put her with everybody at some point because she is the hard edge to everything that they bring. And, and she, you know... Her encouragement of them breaking rules is what makes them grow as characters. So that that absolutely works. Right. Yeah. What else are you thinking, Cherie? Oh, um, just from last week's episode, um, I heard some people saying that they they knew. I I don't know if it's okay if we if we reference last week's episode. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Go right ahead. Um, absolutely not. Inappropriate. I I just um. I heard some people saying that they they're like, oh well, I totally knew that Tiana wouldn't wouldn't care about the pose, and I was like, I didn't. I was stressed out the whole time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and me both. So don't do that. <laughs> but I do want to hear, yay! I do want to hear the full version of the Klingon acid punk. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes yes I, I feel like you know i'm so behind on these things because it's been a while since i followed uh like home video releases with with great detail i don't even did they do a lower decks season one like dvd release or or something because i feel like there was some special behind the scenes things floating around out there uh maybe in a stream yes go ahead and take a look because i feel like that is exactly the sort of thing that would get produced in full 
I want the whole we, album. <laughs> yeah, and, and we should get that as a bonus download. Like, if you buy the DVD, you get to download it from the streaming service of your choice and own the Klingon Acid Rock because that was so cool. You may indeed purchase uh, season one on Blu-ray and DVD. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. So I feel like then that would have special features. And if we're doing season two, let's just go ahead and get it out there to the universe that we would all very much like a full length Klingon rock <laughs> album in there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is, I guess this is it, right? That, that's it. <laughs> that, that is the appropriate. Yes. Yeah. But see, now that's another thing that I feel like and it could just be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, either because production techniques have changed or because we're listening to this concurrent with its release. Sometimes in the past when Star Trek has done contemporary music, like we heard a lot of Klingon opera between TNG and DS9, uh, it, it, some of it's okay, some of it's not. This just felt perfect for the episode. And I, I wonder if it's just because, yeah, the, the writers, they got better musicians. They just had a, a clear vision of what they wanted. I don't know. Or is it just something that speaks to what we want to hear? Production is also a little bit easier because you can record a whole album on a laptop right now. Versus True. When True. even, you know, the, the 90s series would have all been made. That was still... You gotta hire someone. You gotta put them in a studio. You gotta, you know, it's that's a lot more time and money than uh, reaching out to a lovely engineer and saying, "Give me so like uh, Owl City, who's just a dude in his basement." Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, any other feelings tonight about the episode, Cherie? Any other uh, thoughts? Uh, that was it for me. All right. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and I uh, hope we get to see you again soon. Yep. All right. <laughs> Cheers, LLNP. Till next time. <laughs> nice, nice. Got it with the sarcastic Vulcan salute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for everyone. <laughs> right. Cheers, and it uh, looks like rounding out the show tonight, our old friend John Arminio with some comments. Welcome back to Mission Live, live Mission Log Live, yeah. Mission Live Log. I don't know. Welcome don't back, John. To to <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. I need sleep desperately. How's it going today, John? Uh, it's going great. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. And uh, what are your thoughts on this week's episode? Mikado Gamato, I, I will ask you what Ashley asked me. Do you have a preferred saying? Do you have a pr- um, preferred pronunciation? My favorite pronunciation from the episodes was Mugato. <laughs> 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 ridiculous yeah. yes i love it i uh, love it uh, real quick if anybody is itching for music that is analogous to klingon acid punk there's a band called Hyalung. that's h-e-i-l-u-n-g they're a scandinavian experimental folk band that plays percussion instruments with like uh antlers and skeletons of of dead animals Oh um, my god! Wait, wait. Spell the name of that band again, because I'm I'm gonna add them into the chat. H e i l u n g. Okay, I'm going to assume that this first one that's verified is that band. So, boom! They just they just got a shout out at our okay, chat. Great. Right, go check that out, folks, and download some music. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your acid rock. That's yeah. very cool. And, and Carrie says, how did I know they would be Scandinavian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were right. Very cool. So uh, what are you thinking about uh, the, the content of the episode here? Um, one thing that I did really like about the episode was um, Tendi's uh, mission to get the, the physical exams from people because, you know, she was she was having trouble asserting herself. And so she was given a mission by somebody she admired. Um, and so that forced her to sort of, that forced her to assert herself. So it was using her need for approval to overcome this shortcoming that she felt about herself. Um, And I thought that was just a really interesting way of building character. Uh, Like using your own, shortcomings as a way to fight another shortcoming, if that makes sense. It, it absolutely. Oh, go ahead, Ashley. I was going to say, I also thought it was a really cute way to just remind us of some of the tertiary characters who 
uh, we've either met this season or we've had come up. Like we got to see Phillips again a couple of times. We got to see, I see Jet, who I just keep hoping we get more of Jet. I think he's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought, I know John um, abhors a list and Thornex <laughs> <laughs> yes. loves the list, but I actually they love a list. Really, a really excellent way to use that device. Well, and it was a list that made sense in the mm-hmm. context of the action of the show, not not just like stopping the action to present a list, you know. So I love, and I just love that uh, Jet's last name is it Manhaver or Manhaver? I, I mean, it was Mariner for a second, and I was like, Oh, are they exes? Were they married? What is happening? Oh. <laughs> but it, but yeah, I think it's Manhaver. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that was a really good way to bring them back around. And, and I feel like there will be more of Jet just because, you know. Um, but yeah, that, what you're describing, John, is something that they've managed to figure out here that a lot of other shows, whether they're animated or live action, comedy or serious, don't always get. They just sort of throw characters in action and expect that the action is interesting enough that we as the audience will buy it and we'll just sort of accept it and go along with it. But Lower Decks has figured out a way to give meaning and motivation to even the smallest moments that make you buy it and go along with what's happening. So we're not deeply invested in whether or not people get their uh, physical this year. But we do care then about what's happening with Tendi and her ability yeah. to be better at her job and, and better as a member of the crew. And that, that and was I, all I very feel effective. Like, mm-hmm. Sorry. But I, I, I feel like it was a, um, a similar great character building moments with, you know, Boimler thinking Mariner was, you know, a, a secret agent because, you know, he's <laughs> so insecure in his ability as a Starfleet officer and even as a friend mm-hmm. that he's willing to think this person that he's closer to than probably anybody in the galaxy is keeping this secret from him um, because of how inferior he feels what compared to her physicality and her ability as, as an officer. And for the show to be able to play that for humor, um, I think is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the other thing that I always come back to with this is that we're talking about a show that the original written content per episode is 22 minutes. Yeah. When you take away the, uh, the opening credits, which I still love and I do not skip because it just makes me laugh every time. Um, and then you take away the closing credits in any preview, you're right at 22 minutes in that classic animated Saturday morning format. So when you boil it down to the actual story that we have, because here you had an A plot and a B plot, um, that, well, and, and actually a C plot, if you want to count Hyde and, and his little moments yeah. as its own thing, that is maybe two to three minutes out of the episode. And then Tendy's story is maybe three to four, four minutes out of the entire episode so get a, to get across that much and to have it actually be fodder for the characters and and fodder for how this show works it is really impressive you know what's yeah. uh, uh oh dave takeshi says it's only seven minutes longer than short treks they cram it all in there they absolutely do yeah. And uh, Dave uh, kind of reiterating those brief moments with the crew was good. Yeah, it, it's all that all really works. And they're using that time efficiently. That That's very often a criticism that I'll have of uh, watching modern era classic Trek, TNG, DS9, Voyager, etc. is that you've got 45 minutes to fill 26 episodes. And it feels like there's a lot of filler that just doesn't need to be there. And it yep. screws up your investment in the characters. Because yeah. I even thought the subplot with Hyde was a great way of showing the insecurities of the senior officers trying to be so Starfleet, trying to be so impressive to every species in the galaxy that, that they're, they'll allow this like low-level huckster to <laughs> steal a shuttle, to steal stuff from off the very shelves. Um, if it wasn't for somebody else telling them that about his scam. So I thought that was a really great gag that, you know, was probably two minutes. 
right. you know, loved running time in the episode. The Star Trek version of the calls I get about my student loan payments. Yeah. When <laughs> I don't have student loans. So <laughs> Uh, that was uh, oh, and, and I I love the uh, uh, obviously a lot of details in what he kept from uh, from Freeman's office. I love the uh, the hat, yeah, the cadet hat in there, and I love how he just points out, points out like a little Garn doll, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, by the way, Chris Riker says uh, twenty two minutes. Motion picture space dock scene is only half over. <laughs> And okay, I I got you there. Yeah. Uh, Dave Taylor says, my only complaint is that it goes by so fast that I have to rewatch because I miss stuff. That's you. Yes. That was you earlier today. Yes, it was. You had to. to. (laughs) Yeah. But it's actually, it it is nice because I've said it before and I apologize for repeating myself. I said it before on the show where I feel like, just getting through the jokes and getting through the quick plot points, it, it's a pleasure then to go back and rewatch and go like, oh, okay, now that I know what's coming and I can just sort of dispatch with that, what are the moments that are actually happening? What are the character moments that I can focus on? So those two viewings are really necessary, you know, um, it, it, especially with a show like this. Uh, Dominic says it, it really took a few episodes to get used to the, they smoke and crack pacing. <laughs> so yes, you're, you're not wrong. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, David Takeshi says, I kept thinking that Noah Wells has all that SNL experience, which is why she talks so fast. And I kind of wondered about that with, the direction that they get, because as we know, and we've talked to, uh, you know, at least, well, one actor from there a couple of times now, uh, that they're, they're working in isolation. So do they get a direction? Do they record something, get a direction from somebody? Does Mike McMahon call it? No, faster, <laughs> you know, I, I the old George Lucas direction. Mike told us when we spoke to him last year, because they were mm-hmm. recording this season right in uh, their closets, <laughs> Yeah, literally. Everyone, everyone who didn't have a fancy booth that um, that they are live with them. So one assumes that yeah. you're getting yeah. some direction. Unless, I mean, I don't know, maybe Tony Newsom hits it out of the park every time. She's really fabulous. Maybe so. Maybe so. I, I love the idea, though, of a job that I could do in total isolation in a class. Oh, wait. <laughs> I, I look around. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and here I am. This is my lot in life. Hashtag goals. Yeah. <laughs> John, as we wrap things up tonight, uh, any final thoughts or or any deep thoughts about the morals, meanings, message? Is the the Star Trekiness of this episode? Um, I just love a show that can give me deep character moments in between poop eating jokes. <laughs> so well played. Yes, they 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 did that. They did that <laughs> indeed. So yeah, I, um, you know, hopefully it's not a a frequent thing in yeah. Star Trek. Once a season you know. is good. Once a season is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, John, thank you so much. We appreciate you calling in, and uh, we will see you again soon. Okay. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye, Great. John. Bye. I wonder. Um, you know, is there anything else that we're missing here or just any of your notes that you didn't get to? Because we always take a lot of notes and, and you know, some of the things that I wrote down, we already hit like laser whips. I do want yes. to mention that Tractor Factor has already taken off to have a life of its own. I, I believe I saw a little online spat between uh, Larry, Dr. Trek, Nemechek mm-hmm. and uh, Adam from Greatest Generation, both laying claim to it. Um, I like about the, a band um... name. I liked the all of the espionage references. I liked tearing section thirty one. I liked the Tuvok. Didn't know. I wrote hell yeah he did because I love Tuvok. <laughs> uh, very similar crush for me is Mister Tuvok. So uh, nice. we don't get a lot of espionage stuff in Trek Enterprise. Arguably, before New Trek gave us the most of that um, with Dominic Keating's character, and it was nice sure. to sort of check these subplots that we'd heard before in, and I thought in that context, it, it worked. 
um, versus just, again, just being a list. John abhors a list. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it works. I, I, I love, my, you know, uh, Return of Ambo Jitsu. Love that. Um, I, I, I love, and little directorial things. Like, I loved how the lighting kept changing in the bar in that opening scene when uh, Honus is describing Mariner being the worst uh, a bartender. Oh, my time. God. And the lighting kept changing on him when he'd get intense, and then you'd cut back over to Mariner. It was the spotlight. She's in the dark. It just really clever directorial stuff. Ashley, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to, uh, to do the show and have a, a check-in on a Monday night and talk to our lovely listeners. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody, for putting up with uh, my audio from the undisclosed location in the Delta Quadrant, from which I am calling in <laughs> from. Uh, and, and may the prophets bless Earl or whoever has to edit this after. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much. And with that, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Tactical production on Mission Log Live by the indescribable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Don't forget their genitals are sensitive to phaser fire. We will see you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.